This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Welcome to the Dow of Inbound. This is Ion Garlic, and we have a fabulous guest all the way from Australia. It's early here, late there. He's as soon as he's done, he's going to have a beer. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> our guest today has done a lot of fabulous things. I think one of the biggest ones that you know he talks about is helping a small bank get Jerry Seinfeld to to work for them. And but on top of it, you know he's he's helped major major brands across the world to get real business and get real business direct business. And we're going to talk about that today because it's an important important thing. Um, and right now. He has a fabulous, fabulous talk that he's traveling around the world. He'll be in Santa Monica in early June. So if you go to the, the Institute of wow.com, you'll be able to hear our, from our guest today, John Dwyer. John Dwyer, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's great to have you. My pleasure, Ian. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, so, John, tell me, uh, um, I want to dive right into it. And, and I'm going to ask you about the big story because that's obviously the, what people want to hear first. Uh, but then we're going to, you've got some interesting, interesting thoughts on all this stuff. But, uh, John, tell me, how, tell me about the Jerry Seinfeld story. How did you get that guy? Yeah, look, uh, I guess persistence beating intelligence, to be honest uh, with you. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, he's harder to get to than the Pope, and uh, I just stuck in there uh, for six months, and, uh, and I'll tell you in just a second you know, um, how I got him across the line. But uh, this small bank in Australia, when I say small, it's a $5 billion business, but nonetheless it's small compared to the big three or four other banks in Australia that have the biggest market share. And they are what I term as a challenger brand. And a challenger brand is anyone who's up against Coca-Cola. So if you're not the Coca-Cola or the Nike of your industry, uh, you're a challenger brand. And Richard Branson, um, with his airline, um, Virgin Airlines, has been challenger brands in lots of countries. And uh, he's been able to win a lot of market share by being cheeky and, if you like, unconventional. And that's what challenger brands tends to do. They, they don't tend to follow the pack. They actually need to be cheeky and unconventional. And this particular uh, building society it is, it's called the Greater Building Society, and some years earlier, I had developed for them a home loan acquisition uh, program or campaign where we gave away a free vacation if you got your home loan through the Greater Building Society. And it went nuts, absolutely nuts. And they are the only bank in the world still today who for 12 years have never advertised an interest rate. So this was a classic case of taking the prospect's eyes off the price and onto the wow factor. And so therefore, we said, look, get a home loan from us and you will get a a free vacation to, you know, depending upon what the home loan was, whether it was 200 or 500 or a million dollars, you would go to Fiji or Hawaii or Tahiti or around the world twice. And it was stunningly successful. In the first three months of launching it, they tripled their home loans. It just went nuts. And uh, about six or seven years into that campaign, when um, the management said to me, look, uh, have you got anything that can sexy this up? Because it's been going now for six or seven years and it was just starting to lose its gloss. I said, well, why don't we bring a celebrity endorsement into this? And why don't we think about someone who is a big celebrity who has the same cheeky, uh, irreverent, but family-style humour? 
And so we put a research study together and we asked all of the people who were within the building society and thousands who were outside the building society who would be a celebrity who matches the brand persona. And, of course, just my luck, the biggest star in the world came up. I gave myself a hard job. Um, I was hoping it might be a local Australian sort of personality who would be easy to get. <laughs> so anyway, I just, uh, yeah, I persisted for six months trying to get in contact with him and his, uh, his agent was not easy to get on with. So at the end of that six months, you know what, I decided, look, I'm just going to fast track this. So I rang up George Shapiro's office and George Shapiro is his 75-year-old manager and I left a message at 2 o'clock in the morning after I'd sent an email and put on my best Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee accent that you could. And I just uh, pressed one for George, left the message at 2 o'clock in the morning and it went something like, G'day, George, it's uh, JD from Australia here, mate. I've sent the uh, proposal to you and I was wondering whether or not Jerry might like to just take the mickey out of banks here in Australia. And it's a great campaign that we've asked that Jerry might have a look at. Blah, blah, Aussie slang, Aussie slang. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh, nine o'clock the next morning in Australia, my phone rings. It's George Shapiro. And I thought it was one of my buddies just taking the mickey out of me, but it was the real George Shapiro. And he said, um, you're an idiot. And I said, oh, thank you. Yeah, no, well, that could be pretty close to the truth. <laughs> he said, who, who leaves messages at two o'clock in the morning? And I said, well, look, I just figured it might get your attention. It looks like it's worked. He said, look, I love it. I love people who think outside the square like that. Tell me what, what you want Jerry to do. And as it turned out, we went through the whole thing and he said, leave it with me. Uh, obviously, I'd sent a written proposal to him as well, but it, this made him read the proposal because I'm sure he wouldn't have read it otherwise. And he rang back three days later and said, Jerry thinks it's a really good idea. Let's do it. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and just to give you, a, 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 I guess, some sort of uh, idea of the value of having Jerry Seinfeld with your brand, um, the Building Society tripled its home loan market share all over again within the next 18 months. So, the, the Jerry came on board, and with 18 months, it had tripled its home loan market share. So, he was worth every dime. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine. But, you know, in that story, I, I hear a lot of things because, you know, everyone is coming from for for that sizzle, the the Jerry Seinfeld and the big branding. And now businesses are like, well, I've got to get a big branding coup. But really, I mean, do you feel that every business needs Jerry Seinfeld? Because it seems to me you had something that was working and you just need to make it better with Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Absolutely no, you don't. Uh, and and quite frankly, I don't. I've been in this game for quite some time. I'm on the latter stage of my fifties, so therefore I've been around for a while. And I think over the thirty odd years I've been doing all of this sort of stuff, there's only been half a dozen times that I've actually used a celebrity. So no, this is not the first port of call. Um, what this was was um, we had a campaign which was really sizzling for the first five years, and then the sixth and seventh year it was still going well, but we could see signs that it was starting to you know get a bit rusty. And so therefore this was putting a wow factor on top of the wow factor. And I keep in mind the name of my business is the Institute of Wow, so it's all about wow factor, direct response stuff. And this was just to make sure we kept it alive for a few years longer, and that's what it did. Um, and it was a very funny commercial. Uh, well, not one. We made 30 or 40 commercials, but Jerry has a thing in his contract that he doesn't even know that's in there because I told him about it, and he was surprised. But on page 19 of the 30 pages, it says that if Jerry has to travel 50 miles from his house, you have to give him a Gulfstream Learjet. Uh, because he can't travel in a commercial plane. He hasn't jumped in a commercial plane for 20 years. He's bigger than the Pope. 
And so, therefore, when I saw that in the contract, uh, I thought, well, we'd better cost that out. So to get a Learjet to bring him to Australia uh, was a couple of million dollars. And the alternative was was to find somewhere less than 50 miles away from his home in the Hamptons, New York. So we found a little town called Cedarhurst, which was 48 miles away from his home. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, we found an empty shop, uh, which was a delicatessen that went broke, and we brought all of the signage from the Greater Building Society over to Cedarhurst, uh, just out of New York, and we rebuilt a branch, a typical bank branch in this little um, empty delicatessen shop, and we did all the commercials outside and inside that branch. Mind you, all of the other shops in town thought a new bank was opening, but of course it was gone by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> And the premise for the ads, and Jerry, uh, I gave Jerry my creative and wrote the scripts that I thought would work, and 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 he threw them in the garbage bin and said, "Well, how about my ideas?" And uh, <laughs> I, I, I was more, I was more than happy to take his ideas. And what it was, because he hasn't been on TV for a little while, it was him coming back and making it come back during street bus bus, you know, street bus. And he's telling jokes outside the bank. And, of course, so those jokes are related to banking jokes, of course. And people were just shopping in the middle of the street. We had to close the street off, of course, and make sure that we fixed up all the other shops, you know, with the money they would have lost those two days. But basically we controlled the town and he was out buskering, if you like, telling jokes and all the shoppers were just walking by, couldn't care less. So it was very funny from that point of view. And we just produced ad after ad after ad and uh, we brought them back to Australia and we put them on and it went nuts. Absolutely. And I'm telling you that the actual publicity was so big that it was on everything but 60 Minutes, every current affair program, every morning show, the Today program, you know it, you name it, this building society, because it had lured Jerry Seinfeld to do the advertising, um, had millions of dollars worth of free publicity just within the first week. Wow. That's so cool. That's a lot of fun. Oh, and I've got to tell you, this was so funny. At the end of the day, the first day, because we're on a high, um, we said, let's go for a beer at the pub. And uh, Jerry was going to come, but he didn't. And uh, it would have been a real thrill to sit around having a beer at the hotel down the road with him. But anyway, we all, the camera crew, the soundies and everything, we just got in there and had a beer. Well, you wouldn't believe it because throughout the day, the opposition network to his network, I think he's on the, I think his TV show is on the NBC and whatever the other network was, the ABC or whatever, came along and, and wanted to do an interview. Well, Jerry couldn't because he's on the wrong network. And uh, George Shapiro, his 75-year-old manager, knew that I could, you know, probably talk underwater. So he said, JD, uh, I'm John DeWire, but I get JD. He said, JD, why don't you do the interview? So the guy says to me, how did you pull off this coup? And a little bit of banter. And at the end of it, he said, could I ask what you paid Jerry Seinfeld? And I said to him, well, look, I think it was a... I think it was $10.50 for the day and some lunch money was thrown in, right? Well, of course, he, th he thought that was funny. Well, you're not going to believe it. We're sitting in the hotel having a beer at 6 o'clock after a full day out in the sun shooting in the, you know, the, in the main street of this little town and the TV comes on. The number two story on the CBS News was Jerry Seinfeld makes comeback for Small Australian Bank and here's my ugly face in the middle of the screen all across America with me giving that stupid dad joke. <laughs> that's great <laughs> and, and I, I tell you what you don't think I've asked for the guy for a copy of that I got a copy of that the next morning as quickly as I could I thought I could dine out on that for 20 years yeah yeah, yeah that, 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 that'll, that'll make a business for sure but, <laughs> so so you know like you were saying I mean I love that and, and it shows thinking outside the box it shows thinking big how do you bring that now to let's say a, a, a 10 20 million dollar business that's not a, even a billion dollar bank that doesn't have jerry seinfeld money 
how, how do you take him and help someone like that do something similar? Well, um, look, I've got a, a formula that I've developed over time, and um, it's a formula which is based around direct response marketing, which is measurable marketing instead of this rubbish, you know, advertising on the side of a bus or the back of a taxi. Um, I often say to people, look, the Super Bowl had the electronic signage running along the fences, and it was, you know, seen by gazillions of people around the world. If you asked anybody the next day, could they remember one advertisement on the side of the fence during the Super Bowl, they couldn't tell you. And uh, I've always asked people when they come to my seminars, tell me, has anybody, anybody bought anything off the side of a bus advertisement lately? The answer is no. Has anybody ever bought anything off the back of a taxi? No. Has anybody ever bought anything when they're doing, you know, 60 miles an hour going down a freeway and there's a hair shampoo advertised on the outside, on the outdoor billboard? Have you ever stopped to take down the brand name? Of course, the answer is no. And, you know, the only outdoor signs that make any sense these days is McDonald's four minutes ahead. Um, but, you know, other than the driver, most of the other people are in the car looking at their smartphone anyway. So all of this brand building advertising, and it might be fine for Nike and Kellogg's and Coca-Cola because they can afford to throw it up against the wall and they've still got a great business. But for most of us who have a smaller uh, to medium-sized business, what they should be doing is concentrating on direct response marketing. And it just consists of five elements Number one, identifying your most profitable customer and then just looking for more people who look like him. And if you think of those comic cons that are run all around America and all around the world where, you know, people go along to, to have a look at their, you know, lost in space heroes and I Dream of Genie and all that sort of stuff, they've worked out who their ideal um, and most profitable customer are, the people who are into retro television, retro you know, cartoon programs, and they do a great job at attracting them and making sure that they, you know, keep all of the other people away. So that's identifying your most profitable customer and looking for more people who look like them. Number two is just have a wow factor. You know, McDonald's have been doing it. Kellogg's have been doing it for three or four decades. Put a Happy Meal toy, sorry, put a toy in the Happy Meal and you'll sell lots of hamburgers, and it's a wow factor. Uh, Kellogg's have been putting toys in their cereal packs for 50 years, and nobody does it. Everybody price discounts, and the thing that you don't want to do is put yourself up against Walmart or any you know, 40-ton gorilla because they're going to beat you every time. And so if you really want someone to you know, look at your product or service and you want to stand out from the crowd, be the lawn-mowing guy who actually throws in um, a free window cleaning service when he's finished doing your lawns. Do something different that no other lawnmower guy would ever do. Be the car mechanic that when he finishes, you know, doing the grease and oil change on your car, make sure that he washes and vacuums your car and puts a box of chocolates on the passenger seat. Do something different that's a wow factor. And you know what? And nobody does it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. And and, and it it can be really simple too, can it? It doesn't have to be. You don't have to have Jerry Seinfeld in the car when the car is done washing, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be a wow factor. No, you don't. I mean, but you don't even have to give away the free vacation with the home loan. You've got to cut the cloth accordingly. And I had yesterday a new client that came onto my coaching program, and she owns five hairdressing salons. And she said, oh, look, you know, everywhere we are, we're in big Westfield shopping malls. And she said, we've got three or four other hairdressing salons up against us. I said, well, this will be easy. And she said, why? I said, well, would you be prepared to give up 10% of your sale price if I could triple your business? And she said, 
Of course. She said, Groupon forces to give up 50%, so why wouldn't I give up 10%? I said, good, well, let me tell you what you're going to do from next week. From next week, for every $50 that Mrs. Smith spends with you getting her hair done, you're going to give her a cinema point, as in a picture theatre cinema point. And she said, yeah, go on. And I said, every time she collects six of those cinema points, okay, uh, that means she spent six times $50, that's $300, you're going to give her two $15 tickets to the cinema, which is $30. And $30 as a percentage of the 300 that she spent is how much? 10%. Now, the difference is if she had devoted that 10% to a sign outside her hairdressing salon, which said 10% off, nobody would bust the door into it. It would be invisible. Whereas if she said every time you get $50, you spend $50 with me, and you know what women are like, they spend $150 on the haircut anyway, so therefore you know, they, don't have to go, they only have to go twice. So therefore every time you spend $50 with me, I'm going to give you a picture theatre cinema point and you save six of those and you're going to get two tickets to go to the cinema, you just watch what happens to your business. It'll go nuts. Wait, you, women spend how much on getting their hair cut? My wife doesn't let me see those bills. See, <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, you, you and I will go to the butcher. We don't care, but women? <laughs> <laughs> you made a great point, though. It's it's giving people what they want. you know. And, and while they want a haircut, they want something else, too. They, they want to be entertained. Right. And, yes. and, and you have to entertain them. That, and, and that's a that's a fantastic point because we forget that, don't we? Well, well, you know, look, at, I, I had one uh, a couple of years ago. And look, I, I won't bore you with too many of these, but one other interesting one, which was message to market match. So therefore, if you're going to have a giveaway, it's got to be the right message to the right market. And that's what marketing is all about. Message mm-hmm. to market. So it would have been silly for us um, to look for a spokesperson for that cheeky building society. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the uh, brand persona of the building society was very cheeky, like, as I said before, a challenger brand like Richard Branson. So we used to, in all of our advertising, make the big banks out to be the bad guy and we were the good guys and that's why we gave you a free vacation. So to put Jerry Seinfeld with that sort of brand persona made sense. But if we'd picked a serious actor... To actually be the spokesperson, if it you know had it been Charles Bronson, I know Charles Bronson's not with us now, but if it was Charles Bronson, he would not have been a message to market match. Whereas Jerry, when I asked him why did he do this, because he's got more money than God, at the first meeting when I asked him that, he said, "Look, no one from Australia has ever asked me before, and I love your cheeky sense of humour." And he said, "The second reason is is that really you asked me to take the Mickey out of banks, and my entire career is taking the Mickey out of things." And he said, the third reason is I thought that if I didn't say yes, you would never leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, there was a great one a couple of years ago, and I use this one when I'm doing an interview like this or I'm, I'm just being asked in one of my seminars for this wow factor thing. What is it, JD, tell me, what, what's the wow factor? And I said to them, look, there was a turf farm a couple of years back, meaning that they grow grass and they sell grass to landscapers who you know, are involved with a lot of construction work. And he said to me, look, I... I've got six miles worth of turf, and he said, I can't get rid of it. The building boom at that time had stopped in, in this part of Australia. So he said, look, uh, if you got into that wow factor stuff? And I went, okay, well, let me think about it. Who's your target audience? Uh, because I wanted to make sure it would be a message to market match. And he said, well, landscapers. He said, because they'll buy two or three homes worth of grass, whereas, you know, mum and dad, if they're building a new home, will just get the front yard and backyard. I said, okay. And he said, but the trouble is with them is that they've got lots of turf farms to choose from, and so it's a price battle. 
I'll say, look, I can give you this turf for $5 a square metre, and they'll say, I can get it down the road for $4.50, so I go for $4.40, and of course the game's on. I said, well, you want to get out of that price war. You want to do what the Greater Building Society did with the free vacation. You want to take their eyes off the price. He said, well, how do I do that with a landscaper? He said, because they're all really price conscious. I said, beer. He said, what? I said, beer. I said, what are you talking about? I said, look, there's a landscaper who's obviously a man. Um, do they like beer? And he said, yeah. I said, well, we'll give them a premium beer. And in Australia, the premium beer of all beers is one called Crown Lager. And it's in the fancy bottle with the beautiful gold label. And you pay more for that than a regular carton of beer. So what we did is that we hired, we rented a mail list of 500 landscapers in the area that he was in, the city that he was in. And we put together a direct mail piece which said that for every home's worth of grass, which is about 500 square metres, that you you get from this turf farm, we'll give you a carton of this beautiful Crown Lager beer, which is a beer that they normally wouldn't drink. It's upmarket. So it got their attention. And uh, about seven days into the campaign, he rang me up and he said, we've got a problem. And I said, why? What's the problem? He said, we've got no more turf. And I said, <laughs> I said, what? He said, mate, I'm having to actually source turf from opposition turf farms to keep up with the demand for the beer. <laughs> he said my very worst customer was a landscaper called Jim and Jim used to ring me all the time and play the barter game he would say well you, you're charging $5 a square meter I can get it down the road for four fifty. and he said I'd drop mine to four twenty. he reckoned he could get it down the road for $4 he said he was a nightmare customer he came back yesterday and ordered 22 homes worth of grass and said he didn't care when the grass got here but he needed the beer by Friday because he's got a party <laughs> Oh, that's great. You know, one of the big things I talk about and I tell people is, you know, we, we all try and sell people what they need, but really we, we have to give them what they want first. And I think that's the perfect example of it. You yes. Know, you know, it's, yep. it, it's giving people what they want because we all know what they need as, as professionals, as business owners, whatever. We know what they need. But really, I got to stand out. You got to give people what they want. And, you got it. And I love that. I love that. And, and, and finding out that those guys want beer. And, and once you say it, it, it's simple, but there is genius in what you're doing. You know, oh, well, it, thank you. Thank you. You know, and, and, and people forget that. And, and it's subtle genius. So how? You know, you, know, you know what I'd like to do now? If I could just take my uh, earphones off and put you on speaker, I'm just going to get my wife to come in so she can hear you say that. If you don't <laughs> well, we'll, we'll send her the recording and tell her it's all, all about uh, how to save $10 on, on her next haircut. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if she, heard the word, if she hears the word genius associated with me, um, she would just roll her eyes. Yes, she would roll her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but then that, that's that's the genius of having a, a, a long lasting marriage, isn't it? That's right. Well, you know the, the the dad joke that I do at my seminars, and and if Gail, my wife, comes to them, she just you know rolls her eyes. I, I would normally say, um, in fact. I was doing a seminar in Phoenix, Arizona in January and um, I thought, look, I'll do the Aussie dad joke and see how it goes and I'm up on stage and I said, look, I'd just uh, like to say my wife was actually down the back of the room. I said, I'd like to say that um, you know today's our wedding anniversary and of course everyone puts their hands together. I said, yeah, we've been happily married for 25 years and they all put their hands together and they're patting her on the back. Well, she knows what's coming. I said, yeah, we've been happily married for 20, sorry, we've been happily married for 25 years. We've been married for 35. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 dad jokes. Love it. Oh, look, I could I could keep you unamused all night. You know, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, it, it, well, well, JD, John, can I call you JD? Yeah, uh, yeah, please, yeah please look, I've been called much worse. Exactly. Uh, um, you know, you're, you're traveling around the country. 
um, you're, you're coming to the U.S. and and people can get in front of you, but how can, how how can they absorb a bit of this genius? What what are they going to get that when they talk to you that is going to set set them apart? Well, thank you very much. And and one more uh, component of that uh, customer attraction system that I I didn't touch on, uh, and I probably should is that the director of first impressions of your business, any business these days, is no longer Susie who answers the phone at the reception desk. It is, of course, your website. And uh, one of the things that people get from me straight away when I'm helping, uh, I guess, attract clients to their business is the appreciation that the director of first impressions being your website is something that they've been neglecting because most people do. Mm-hmm. And I always I always say to them, you know, what's the most important cover on a women's magazine or any magazine? Of course, it's the front cover. So what's the most important, you know, page on your website? Of course, it's the home page. But hardly anyone gives it the level of love that it needs. And, and they say to me, well, what do we need on the home page? I said, well, you need, you know, a big problem solution headline. So, you know, whatever the problem is for that particular person who's come to your website, if it happens to be you're a kitchen renovator, then you can say to them on your headline, uh, your problem is that you don't know where to get a kitchen renovator who will give you a granite benchtop, which is really granite from, Ita- from Italy. It's not some cheap brand from China. Well, guess what? You've come to the right spot. So you've given them a problem and then you provide them with a solution. They're not going to go anywhere else now. You've just positioned yourself as the industry expert. And then you need a welcome video. And that welcome video can be a doodle cartoon, a doodle animation cartoon, or it can be you uh, talking to the camera. And again, you emphasize why you feel that you can solve their problems. You need to have video testimonials. You need to have a data capture facility, which you and I would understand because we're in the business of you know online marketing, but you've got to give a free report or something like that so that they give you their details. And you've got to have a strong call to action and so on and so forth. So I go through all of that stuff. The reason I bring that out to you is that when I do events, and you were kind enough to segue to let me plug my Los Angeles event, what we do is I guess the, the best way that we can show people how to transform their marketing from brand branding which you know is not measurable to stuff that is measurable is that we invite people to come up on the stage and I actually change their website on the spot we throw their website up on the big screen uh, I ask them to fill in a form to say that they've got no feelings because I'm just about to hurt them <laughs> and, and then we go through and pick their website to bits and thankfully all of them are good sports they know it's all in good fun but then I sketch up on a whiteboard because I'm an artist so I sketch up on a butcher paper whiteboard next to them just what their website should look like. And the jaws in the room are just hitting the floor because everyone looks at the revised website and they go, my goodness, that's our problem. Do you know, in the crazy part about how bad websites are worldwide and how you know, just undirect response you know, driven mm-hmm. they are, and let's face it, most websites are designed by an artist. Now, there's no way I would let my marketing get put together by an artist. If, you know, they've got black T-shirts and a ponytail and Doc Martin shoes, but they're not marketing people. Yep. So they might, they might give you a pretty website, but whether it sells is another thing. So what I say to people, do you think that the hospitality game, hotels, would be the probably the industry that would most use customer testimonials? People raving about the pool and the service and the rooms. And, and everyone goes, yes. I said, well, guess what? I just looked up TripAdvisor's top 50 resorts in the world, and only one out of 50 has a video testimonial on its website. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's it, it, you you've touched on a thousand different points for me because it, it, we're definitely on the same page, um, it, you know. I, and I I even tell people stop calling them testimonials, call them case studies, which you do on your website because yes. people tell the story of it. But it's so that social proof is so important. But you know, to your media point, 
that mar- I call it marketing incest. And where you know <laughs> the hotel looks at the other hotel and goes, "Hey, they, they did this way. Let's do it this way." And I'm like, "That's you know, it, 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 I'm like that. You know what? You end up with it. You end up with the with the ugly little website. You know, that's yes. why. You, <laughs> yes, like, because yeah, I love that too, that incest because I, I call it me too. There's a me too industry. If he does it, I do it. And of course, that's the best way to be invisible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's so true, and and. We talk about it, and you know, I go in front of people, and, and I'm like, you spend how much money did you spend on your? You know, I talk to attorneys. How much money did you spend on your suits? These thousands of dollars. How much time and money did you spend on your your cards? How much time and money did you spend on your landscaping? How much time and money did you spend on your office? And now let's put all that together, and how much? And it's a fraction of your website, but for every person that sees any one of those things, twenty people see your website, and yep. and it's and you spend so little time, and it's and it's everything. It is everything. It is everything. It is absolutely everything. And the reason, uh, and I hope you don't mind me rabbiting on about the website thing, is because no. I thought that this this interview would probably um, not be as good for your listeners if I didn't bring that up. Because the thing is, all of my other mantra in terms of stimulating repetitive trade by putting people into a loyalty system and making sure that you highlight the problem solution scenario and having a wow factor and message to market match, all those things, if you've got a crummy website and it's not a sales-focused website but rather it's a corny information-driven website – all that other stuff doesn't matter because the director of first impressions in every business these days is the website. And I would dare say that over 75% of websites are a complete waste of time. I agree. And uh, I, you know, I, I was going to bring this up cause I went through your website um, <clears throat> before, but there's two things I think you did fantastic besides the direct response stuff on the homepage and you have a great about page and it tells your story in the context of, of your customer and how how you will benefit them and it's not yeah. just about you know you have your family stuff but it's at the very bottom <laughs> yeah yes, <that's> right. <laughs> but, but by the way just don't tell them that would you <laughs> well that you know you close it with the good stuff <laughs> because <laughs> how people read a website is not how they read a page they go to the top yes. they're like oh this is interesting let me scroll to the bottom oh i see stuff see stuff oh okay and he's a family guy um and, and then they they'll go back through it but I, I think you did a fantastic job, and if anyone wants to see a great job of an About Us page, go to the instituteofwow.com slash about, and, or you just click on About John Dwyer. And I, I think, you know, it, I, I know we say we shouldn't copy stuff, but if someone, I mean, obviously don't copy the story, but if you copy Yeah, go, go for it. No, copy yeah. whatever they want, mate. And I, I've got to tell you with the family thing, and uh, I don't think we've mentioned, I've got six children, and, uh, and, and mm-hmm. I, look, it, it's just been a madhouse for, you know, 30 years. And, um, and so, therefore, can you imagine, I did a lot of business with Disney over the years, and so I'd fly backwards and forwards from Australia to Los Angeles to meet with them at Burbank and what have you. So I became a Disney licensee in Australia and produced lots of posters and books and, and, and bubblegum cards and all sorts of things for their movies. Can you imagine when you had six kids under 12, me saying to the kids, look, Daddy's, Daddy's off to Disneyland for a meeting. I'll be back in a week's time. <laughs> Not a chance. No, no. Not a ch- every meeting cost me every, every meeting to America cost me thirty grand. You know, um, <laughs> so the, the the Von Trapp family would have to come with me. Can you imagine the eyes of all of the other passengers in the Qantas plane when the Von Trapps walk on with six ch- kids under twelve? They didn't realise my wife had Finergan and had drugged the kids so that they would go to sleep. They were just frightened. You know what, less. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ian, before, before we do close up, I wanted to tell you, um, and this might be really interesting to a lot of your listeners, big or small businesses, uh, there was a Fiji resort um, and it was 20 years old and Fiji being like Hawaii, a very tropical sort of island and uh, it's only three hours flight from Australia so a lot of Australians go to Fiji uh, for their vacation and uh, I was over there shooting commercials for the building society, get a home loan, get a free vacation and the guy who owned the resort happened to be an Australian, a lot of Australians own the big Fijian resorts. And he saw what I was doing and we were having about a thousand beers at 11 o'clock one night and he said to me, listen, have you got any of that, um, I won't use the S word, but he said, have you got any of that wow stuff, okay? <laughs> and uh, and because it was just so funny, I pretended that I looked inside my coat pocket and I said, look, I think I've got some of that wow stuff here somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I said, what's your problem? He said, look, we're sitting at 34% occupancy because he said they've just built a whole bunch of Hiltons and Sofitels and, you know, Western hotels just near the airport in Fiji and we're 30 minutes drive from the airport so people are not coming down to the coastline anymore. They're going to the hotels which are close to the airport. And he said, so we're sitting on 34% occupancy. And he said, we're 20 years old, so therefore we are looking a bit aged. And I said, okay, is there any wow factor that you've got? Like, have you got anything like the Rubik's Cube or iPhone? Have you got anything that's an organic wow factor? And he said, no, I just told you we're 20 years old. I said, well, we have to develop an artificial wow factor, just like the bank, you know, get a home loan, get a vacation. And that's, by the way, what I have to do most of the time because very few people have got the Rubik's Cube. And I said, um, well, why don't we do this? Um, why don't we say that uh, for every night – I said, who's your target audience? And he said, well, travel agents along the east coast of Australia. That's where we get most of our business from. Despite the online bookings these days, still people like to go to the travel agent. I said, right, well, most of those travel agents are women and they are these days. I said, why don't we say to them that for every night that they book someone into the Fijian resort – uh, we'll give them a ticket into a million dollar sweepstakes. And he said, what? I said, I can get you a million dollars for 16 grand. And by the way, anyone listening to this can do the same thing. And so deal or no deal or who wants to be a millionaire on TV, that's all paid out by big insurance companies. The TV networks don't pay any of that money out. So what happens is that we said to uh, all of the travel agents on the east coast of Australia, every night you book anyone into this particular hideaway resort, it was called, you're in a million-dollar draw. And what will happen at the end of the month or two that they're running the promotion, one person gets drawn and that person gets invited to the head office and there's 250 envelopes on a boardroom table. And he or she gets to choose one of those 250 envelopes. There is an insurance scrutineer there. He's the one that's put the million dollars into one of the 250 envelopes. And if the travel agent picks the right one, he or she walks away with a million. And if they don't, they walk away with $10,000 or a motor car or some sort of consolation prize. And that's how it works. Guess what happened? He went from, because what would happen is that people would go into a travel agent in Australia. They'd say, look, I'm going to Fiji. Where do you think we should stay? Uh, should we stay near the airport at the Hilton? No, don't stay there. Uh, you'll get a bowler. Um, oh, well, do you think I should stay maybe at the Western? No, no, you, there's hepatitis C. You do not want to stay there. You only, <laughs> you only want to go to the hideaway resort. What happened within three weeks, their, their occupancy rate went from 34% to 96%. Woo. Now, the reason I bring that up, it's a classic case like the turf farm with the beer. It's a classic case of developing an artificial wow factor to take people's eyes off everything else and onto the Happy Meal toy. And this was so successful that after I um, sort of finished this campaign, they kept on doing lots of things like that. And so, therefore, I wanted to highlight that to people because the point is, is that even if you are going to give away a car these days, forget it. If you're going to give away $10,000, forget it. We're sitting at home watching who wants to be a millionaire. If you're going to have a cash, sorry, if you're going to have any sort of prize incentive, make sure it's a big one. Now, I always vote you buy, you get. I'd much rather you buy, you get the points, you get the 
picture theatre tickets. But if it's going to be a big a price to give away, don't give away a car. Nobody cares. Make sure you give away a million dollars and just pay sixteen dollars, sixteen thousand dollars for the privilege. That's great. And it's a, it's a great great thing to to think about too because you know you got to make it stand out. You got to have that wow factor. You do, and 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 look. Uh, if anybody's interested in how to do that with the insurance companies, then just go to my website, theinstituteofwow.com, and there's a whole dossier on there that shows you how to actually do those promotions. So I'm more than happy for anyone to do that. Fantastic. That's a great piece of information, John. I I, I look forward to having you stateside, uh, and uh, th- good luck on your trip. And thank you so much for being on. Um, I, you know, I, I have a couple more questions before you go, and it's it's a questions I ask all my guests, and they're just general ones, but uh, it's more about you. Uh, what what's the business book that you're reading or that, that has most influenced you? Ah, let me see, let me see. Look, uh, I've read a lot of Brian Tracy stuff, and I can't remember the exact names of the books, but I mean, most of your listeners will be familiar who Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy were and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I must say, because of the mantra that I have with this wow factor, the purple cow um, is probably, you know, one that's closest to my heart, and I'm sure many of your listeners would have read that. Yeah, Seth Godin, great, great book. Seth, Seth Godin, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I have one which is on a similar lines to that, it's called the How to Wow, of course, How to Wow. Um, and and it, all the stuff that he talks about in terms of the purple cow is pretty much the same mantra that I have. And so, therefore, um, I guess that's probably the one that, uh, when it came out, whenever that was, 20 years ago, um, I was you know, looking after a number of businesses at the time and um, I just you know, picked it up and, and I just nodded my head. It's a very easy read, as you know. It wasn't very thick and um, and it was a very easy read and I just said, this guy's nailed it. He's absolutely nailed it. And really, um, I don't think too many businesses think like that. I, I, my statistics, um, I think, are pretty close to the, to the mark. Less than 10% of businesses anywhere in the world use direct response marketing uh, effectively. Um, most of them are still advertising on the side of buses and the backs of taxis, and they wonder why they don't have a lift in sales. Oh, such a, such a good point. And every, every business should be using direct response, and, and the smaller the business, the more they should be using it. And you know, if you go to a restaurant tonight, tonight's Friday uh, for you guys, and uh, if you go to a restaurant tonight, um, then what's going to happen is that you will spend $100, $200, $300, whatever it might be, and uh, guess what? You'll leave that restaurant and they won't know who you are. And the biggest problem that most people do is that they don't do what Amazon does. They do not collect that. You can walk into Walmart today, and they're a pretty savvy advertiser. They don't care who you are. You'll have 9 million Americans walk into McDonald's today, and McDonald's have no clue who any of them are. Yep. It's so, so, so true. So much data being lost and so, many, so much opportunity. Um, Madness. And McDonald's are the classic because now they actually give you a little receipt and make you wait for a minute because they pretend they're making a hamburger fresh behind the, <laughs> behind the counter. Um, why don't they give you a pen to write in, you know, for a contest or, or, or you know, in today's world, why don't they you just text an answer to a number that they advertise on the counter just to collect data? Even if they only got 10% of that 9 million people, that's nearly a million names they'll be getting every day. But even McDonald's, I would sack the McDonald's manager because a marketing manager because they're letting 9 million prospects Go fall through a crack every single day. Can you imagine what they could do with remarketing? My goodness, unbelievable! Oh, oh I know. Oh, it's, it's so much opportunity. Um, yeah. And and question, um, my one, of my I got two more. What's your favorite quote? Oh, look, uh, t- terrific. Uh, uh, most of these would come from a silly movie um, like Austin Powers, so I better not bring those ones up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
I'm I'm a complete idiot, so therefore I love anything that's silly. So, of course, all the Chevy Chase vacation movies I love and Austin Powers and all that. And my wife is the daughter of an accountant, so she's um, – I don't I won't say she's boring, but she's she's heading that way, okay? So <laughs> I, I think that's why our marriage has survived because we're very different. Now um, I can't now but, I can't send her this episode. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, no, she's heard it all before, don't you worry. Um, and I keep on telling her how lucky she she was to marry someone who was interesting. Yeah. And um, and then she just leaves the room. Uh, so, look, I, I really uh, have a lot of time for Sir Winston Churchill quotes. And um, I'm an entrepreneur, so I've been on the roller coaster ride like all entrepreneurs. And, um, and you know, whilst the merry-go-round is a lot smoother, um, you don't get the wind in your hair of a roller coaster. So, you know, for an entrepreneur, it's always a roller coaster ride. And I've had a few valleys where we've lost a few million dollars in a week and all sorts of things like that. And uh, throughout those times, and fortunately that hasn't happened in recent years, but throughout those times, um, what got me through was just not giving up. And the quote that I uh, use in my seminars when I tell a little bit about my roller coaster is that Sir Winston Churchill, a famous British Prime Minister, went back to the school that he went to in 1947 when he was Prime Minister, and he gave a speech, and it was called the Never Give Up speech. And uh, basically when the kids asked him you know, for advice on what they should do in, with their lives, he said, whatever you do, just remember this, um, when times get tough, never, ever, 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 ever give up. It was about 12 evers in there. And I always say to people, and a lot of them at my seminars who unfortunately, you know, things aren't going too well at at that time, and I don't know who they are, but I know they're in the room. And I say, look, um, um, just hang in there, because if you don't give up, there can only be one result. And I know it sounds a a little um, sort of, you know, seminar speak when you do this, and I'm I'm not really a seminar speaker, so I'm I'm loath to be too corny about this, but I do say to people, just never, ever, 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 ever give up. And if if you live by that mantra, you have to come out a winner eventually. That's so true. Yeah, you know that I love Winston Churchill. I love all his quotes, and it's one of my favorite. You know, he's my favorites. And if anyone's never read his story, I mean, the guy went through some tough times and and a lot of tough times over and over and over again before helping to save the free world. But uh, (laughs) just doing a little thing like that, Uh, (laughs) um, I I think that's that's a fantastic quote. And, um, you know, it reminds me of the John Lennon quote, too. You know, if if it seems bad, it's not the end. Right. To something to that extent, you know, it's it's not over till it's it's a good ending. And that's such a good point. Um, John, one last question. You know, where I'm always working to improve myself and I'm sure you are because, you know, part of, you know, when things are good, you want to keep making them better. Um, what mindset are you working on right now? Because that mindset is everything, isn't it? So it is, and and, and probably the one that uh, I. It's not just now, but it's it's probably particularly in the last I don't know, dozen years, I guess. Um, uh, again, this sounds corny, and I don't want to be corny, but um, uh, just to be the un uh, of whatever you do, um, have a mindset that no matter. And this is all business speak, by the way. So I'm not necessarily talking about ones personal life, but certainly in a business sense, I think all of us should strive to be the un of our industry, uh, unconventional, um, unlike uh, anyone else and and unusual. Now, Richard Branson is a classic. Um, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, um, who tragically passed away all those years ago, but um, after Steve Irwin passed away, there's a million of these wildlife experts hit the TV screen. They're from everywhere. They're from England, America, Africa. They're all out there. Now, guess what? They were out there when Steve was alive. 
But because he was the un of his industry, he was unconventional, he was unlike anyone else, guess what? He sucked up all the oxygen in the room. There was, there was absolutely no publicity left for them. The moment that Steve tragically passed away, all of these guys, you know, all of a sudden became visible, whereas before they were invisible. So if you look at Donald Trump, um, and I'm not saying good, bad or indifferent about him, but the fact is he is the un of the political circuit at the moment. There's no one like him. Now, whether you love him or hate him, the fact is he's worked out that he can command a huge amount of publicity by being unlike anyone else. And I'm not suggesting that everyone should go out there and be like Donald Trump, but um, I believe that all of us, if we want to make money in business to feed the family and have a nice lifestyle and do all of that, then same is lame. If you're the same as everybody else, I mean, I'm, I'm actually got my two fingers down my throat at the moment. I can't believe I said that. Same as lame. My God, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but same is lame. I mean, the point is, if you just look the same as everyone else, then you are just going to be invisible like them. So I really believe if you can maybe take anything out of this little rant by me, the, the, the term UN, un, just put that in front of what you do and just watch what happens. You will stand out like a beacon. I love that. That's a great mindset to be working on, and it's, it's fantastic. It's scary, which really the, the opportunity is is in the fear, isn't it? It's it's if if it's, if you're afraid, then you're probably doing the right thing. It is. Look, it is. I mean, look, if you were the un um, lawn mowing guy, then you would clean Mrs. Smith's windows before you left, and you would leave leave a box of chocolates on her kitchen table where she's paying you. Um, my, I have a good friend who's an electrician. And I'm ranting about this un thing to him one day. Now, look, he's a blue singlet worker and he thinks I'm a complete moron. Uh, and, uh, and of course, you guys are the same in America. When you've got buddies, you'd never say very nice things about them. And we've been mates for 30 <laughs> years. In 30 years, I don't think we've ever given each other a compliment. And uh, he said, oh, that's all that wanky advertising stuff, you know. And um, unbeknownst to me, his wife encouraged him to do what I told him to do. So when he went into a house to change PowerPoints or change the lighting or do whatever he was doing, he actually left a box of chocolates, a nice, you know, $10 box of chocolates on the kitchen table with a little note that I had written, but he pretended that he wasn't going to take any notice of it. And it said, Mr. Smith, look, I know you could have chosen any electrician to, you know, come in and fix whatever I had to fix for you, but you happened to choose me. And I just want to say thank you. I don't take that for granted. I hope you enjoy this box of chocolates. It's just a small token of my appreciation. He said to me that the amount of business he got from Mr. Smith telling every other woman in the tuck shop at school the next day was amazing. He said he had people ring up, particularly ladies, because they make the decision on all this sort of stuff at home. They ring up and said, are you the chocolate technician? <laughs> That's great. It's such, I mean, it, that little thing, but it made him stand out. That was his happy meal toy. That was it. And, uh, and you know, if the lawn mowing guy just washes the windows, I mean, you know and I know, for a little squeegee, squeegee, what do they call it, a little squeegee thing with a, a bucket and soap just to, you know, run around the house and clean the windows before he leaves, do you think any other lawn mowing guy would think of that? Of course they wouldn't. They just wouldn't. And this stuff is so easy for any business to stand out. Um, I uh, There's a business here in Australia, and I've got to tell you guys about it. Look, I've, I'm going to give you my link to my Los Angeles event in a moment, but this is crazy plugging someone else, but I will. It's called Wicked Berries, as in strawberries, wickedberries.com.au. So you have to put the .au at the end of it. I urge everyone who's listening to this uh, podcast to just type into their phone after it's finished, um, wickedberries.com.au. 
you can buy this unbelievable box of um, seven or eight strawberries, um, chocolate-coated and all dressed up in dinner suits. So therefore, the artists at this particular strawberry place have actually put the chocolate on top of the strawberries, but the strawberries, but they've actually dressed them up like little dinner suits. You can get these boxes for $49. I'm telling you that whenever I want to get a meeting with somebody who I, you know, not Seinfeld, but if I want to get a meeting with somebody, I just send for $49 a box of these chocolate strawberries. It gets straight through the gatekeeper because when she opens it on behalf of the boss, she screams and he wonders what's going on. And he comes out and you open up this gorgeous box and inside are these unbelievable strawberries. Every one of them is the size of Africa. And they're dripping in, oh, not dripping in chocolate because obviously the chocolate is hardened and it beats flowers, it beats bottles of wine, it beats a fruit basket, it beats everything. Why? Because it's the un. It's unlike anything else. Uh, oh, wow. I'm, okay, I'm going to buy some of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, John, thank you so much for being on the show. It's It's been entertaining and informative and uh, fun. And uh, if anyone wants to be entertained and informed more and come see you when you're in the U.S., how, how would they do that? Thank you, mate. I have a, um, I have a, a one-day seminar coming up, uh, and it's uh, on June 1, so that's Wednesday, June the 1st, and it's at Santa Monica in the Doubletree uh, Suites. And uh, I'm going to give every one of your listeners um, a free ticket. I've got a special URL that I've created for you and for your listeners, and instead of paying $47, which is the normal price, um, it's for free. Um, and if you go to wowmybusiness.com, so that's all it is. Wow, my wow, obviously being W O W. So wowmybusiness.com. And there's a free ticket uh, or free tickets waiting for you there. And we'd love to see you if, uh, if, if you've got some cheap airfares and you can fly in from anywhere around America. I can absolutely assure you, you'll walk away from this one day event with your head spinning. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that generous offer. And, uh, you know, if you all want, go into the show notes and we'll have a link to that there. Or you can go to, uh, iangarlic.com and we'll have a link to it there or you can go to my Facebook page and you'll have a link to it there so you can go find that link anywhere but uh, John thank you so much we look forward to seeing you in the US and hopefully have you on Dow of Inbound sometime again soon telling you uh, telling us more about your exploits my pleasure and thank my pleasure and thank you for and, and I'm really really glad that you put up with two or three dad jokes so thank you for that <laughs> I love them I love it. I, I, and I like better when someone else tells them because then I, I don't I don't have people coming down on me for the dad jokes. <laughs> you can blame you can blame. But before we do go, how many children have you got? I've just got one. Well, okay, a little one. A little one, a little two year old. So uh, oh, he or she wouldn't know what dad jokes are all about just yet. No, no, but I I, I have a. Uh, Eight, eight team members that are like my kids, so they always yell at me about the dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure, and thank you very, very much for having me on, and thank you very much for letting me promote the uh, the event on, on June the 1st because it's just lovely of you to do that. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I, m- much luck to you and everyone. Thanks so much for joining John and I and uh, having us be a part of your journey. I suggest going to see John. It'll be a, a hoot for sure, and you'll learn something in, in exchange. Um, and have a great week. And this has been Iron Garlic and the Dow of Inbound. 